0: Welcome to episode nine of the Stan Morgan podcast, where we help financial professionals like you recognize and reach your potential faster. One of the reasons that Hollywood makes billions of dollars a year is that they're experts in telling stories. Stories draw us in and they keep our attention. And that's why we'll be interviewing members of our community and sharing their stories with you. Questions like, why did they get into the business? What's their journey been like? What are they doing to improve their business? How have they built a team around them? How have they implemented the guidance that we provide to the Elite Advisor Network to improve themselves and their businesses? You're really, really going to enjoy this episode because I know that many parts of our guest story will remind you of your own journey. To watch the video of this episode and to share it with a friend, you can go to stenmorgan.com slash nine. That's the number nine. Stenmorgan.com slash nine. So here's today's conversation. Hello, uh, everyone. Welcome to the Sten Morgan Show. Uh, our first episode of the Sten Morgan Show without Sten Morgan. So uh, wouldn't it be awkward if this was the best episode we'd ever done? Uh, I'm Andy Traub. I want to welcome Michael French to the show. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Andy. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're gonna have um, uh, a lot of conversations like this as part of the podcast because we want uh, advisors to hear other advisors' stories. I think that's important, and I think it's encouraging, and I think it's interesting. <laughs> and so, those are all things that uh, we want to provide through the show. Uh, so, we're gonna start with three questions. We're gonna ask all the advisors that we have on the show, uh, and just so folks know, Michael's a part of our elite advisor network, and we'll talk about how he found about that and why. He- why he joined and what's, what's getting out of it and what he's also bringing to the community. But I, I think it's fun to ask v- different people, the same questions and just get a variety of answers. So here, here's, this is our three money memories question. So let's start with this. What's your earliest or strongest childhood memory involving money?
1: Yep. So for me, I grew up um, in a, a small rural town and my family, we always struggled with money. I mean, it was just always kind of a topic um, that was up. Uh, my dad changed jobs a lot and we just, we never really had a clear clear direction or I guess a clear plan. Um, I had a, somewhat of a large family, four, four of us kids in the family. And every year before school, we would get to pick out a new pair of shoes. Uh, that would be our shoes for the school year. And that was that was kind of a a really big deal for for me and my siblings because you know for the most part I had hand me downs that I used and yeah. um, I had an older brother so getting a new pair of shoes every year and you know being able to pick out a couple of pairs of of new clothes was always a big deal for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I and I'm I mean, are you do you have that memory from when you were eight years old? I mean, do you remember that far? Oh, yeah, back of, yeah. It's yeah. it's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating how. You know, I still have, I have very strong memories. I don't know why we were just, maybe we were a target family. I just have very strong memories of just being in target with my family. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> as a young child. So, all right. So first one, that was a f- strongest memory of, of money when you were a kid. What What's something that you've wasted money on sometime in your life? Um, this doesn't have to be investments and such. Just uh, What's something you've wasted money on that you'll never forget?
1: Yeah, I started making a little bit of money in junior high and high school. We were involved in 4-H, and you know, once I, you know, got a little bit of money saved up, I know one thing that I bought was a an Abercrombie belt that I just knew I had to have. I think I paid over a hundred dollars for it in Whoa. junior high or my freshman year, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And yeah, I mean, it it it's not just so, uh, <laughs> sort
0: of yeah. And uh, how I'm, did you make money? I mean, 4-H. Just explain to folks, maybe we listening to us in New York City. Yeah. What is, what like is I was, and how'd you make what? money from 4-H? What's what's going on with that?
1: So we would uh, purchase a 4-H animal every every year in the fall. So for the most part, uh, I raised steers. So you'd buy a, a calf that when the ranchers would be selling their cattle in the fall, and then you'd uh-huh. feed that calf throughout the year, take it to the fair, the county fair in the summer, and then um, sell the sell the animal at the auction after the fair and usually make a pretty good profit.
0: So how much money would you make? I mean, three hundred bucks or five hundred bucks or?
1: Well, it d- depends on the animal. So if it was a a a lamb, those would be the least amount. It might be a couple hundred dollars. A pig, maybe five six hundred dollars. But a steer, depending on how how well you did in the show, you could make a couple thousand dollars uh, yeah. or more. Um, but, but
0: you also had to take care of it for a year, right? So uh, yes, yeah, you, you had a few man hours and and a few a uh, little bit of feed in there, right? You oh know? yeah. 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 Uh, that's funny. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's just, it's funny because there's actually a, a Netflix documentary about Abercrombie and Fitch. I don't have Netflix anymore, but I know it just came out, um, or recently came out. So, um, you'll probably watch that with some, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, what's the best investment you've ever made? What's the best, or maybe a better way of saying this, what's the best use of your money you've ever, you can remember?
1: Um so I guess as far as just investment in a general sense it's always been investing back into uh either my education or uh growing up uh, one thing that we did was I would go to wrestling camps where my parents would pay for wrestling camps and then eventually those led to scholarships so that those right. investments paid off big time um if we're not talking about just money I would say it's definitely the investments I've made uh, getting to know other people or developing relationships yeah. um, have been the most impactful
0: love it awesome well let's learn a little bit more about who you are tell us about sort of where you live and why you like or or why you choose to live there uh because you know you can move uh and then tell us about your family a little bit and and tell us something interesting about each member of your family so let's start with where you live and, and why do you live there
1: yeah, so I live in I live in Kalispell, Montana. Uh, it's a really uh, it's a beautiful part of the state. I mean, it's a beautiful state anyway, but this side of the state is is the pretty side uh, with yeah, yeah, the mountains yeah. and lakes and rivers uh, and.
0: I, I I used to live in South Dakota. Be like, it's beautiful there. I'm like. <laughs> if you drive 4 hours it's good. You're the <laughs> Exactly. You're the part of Montana that Montana is the proud of, you know? So, okay.
1: <laughs> right. And I grew up on the other side, so similar to yeah. similar to your story.
0: Nice. Congratulations. Uh, you moved. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I made the move. Yeah. Um I mean it's definitely it's a it's a great place to be if you like the outdoors. You know, there's lots of um lakes, spend a lot of time on the lake in the summertime and cool. uh you know, snowboarding, skiing or snowmobiling whatever you want to do in the winter. Yeah. Awesome. Um and then still get to go home and visit the family on the other side of the state and, and be a cowboy for a weekend, which cool. works out great. It's, it's good to be able to do that for fun and not be totally a full time job. Yeah,
0: I go back to South Dakota and I get to uh, shovel snow for like a week. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, that was fun. Yeah, oh, I don't go in the winter. Oh, that's, I do. That's just that's because my wife's like, I don't want to drive to South Dakota in the winter. I'm like, I do. It's like a, it reminds me where we moved. So no, I love South Dakota, but I, I'm I'm not doing snow for six months. So, so tell me about your family and something interesting about each one of them.
1: Yeah, so my my wife uh, Marissa works uh, the hospital up here. She the reason I guess that's part of the reason we moved over here is she she used to vacation over here in the summertime. Her family had a place on the lake, and uh, that's that's really what brought us to the area. Cool. Um, and then we have we have two small children. Uh, Axel is three and our daughter Harley just turned one and, um, yeah, they're just busy and, and lots of fun, but, um, you know, still at a young age where they're not out doing a whole lot of stuff on their own yet. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Where's Axel? Oh, he's out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Um, well, let's talk about professional stuff. How did you get into the business? Why did you get in the business? Uh, and just tell us about sort of your you know, people say, oh, I worked here for three years and I moved to this. And then I got tired of this. and so I moved here. So, um, you know, w- w- tell us about how and why you got into the business and then sort of your professional journey to you ended up here.
1: Yeah. So when I was finishing up with college, I, I really wasn't exactly sure what direction I wanted to go. Um, I went, uh, like I was talking about, I, I was a wrestler in college and that was one of my focuses, but I knew I wanted to have a good job when I finished. I just didn't know what that job would be. And the other thing I knew is I didn't want to be a laborer my whole life or go back and and just be um, on the ranch, uh, you know, and then not really have any place to go after that. So I was I was leaning pretty heavily towards taking the LSATs and going to law school or applying to law school after graduation. Some of my business professors recommended I apply for an internship at a at a regional brokerage firm, and I ended up getting accepted into that, uh, which was uh, basically a new advisor training program where they trained you up to get your Series 7 and get licensed, and then they kind of just send you off. And uh, immediately after that, so within the year of graduation, I interviewed at another another firm and, and started as an advisor.
0: And so how did you end up where you are now from there? I
1: work. I worked at that firm for about six years um, and then transferred to a fully independent uh, company in 2018. And I mean, of course, well, from from the start, I guess I started with a $0 base pay. So really just, um, I'd I'd like to say family, friends, and fools, those very first calls you make, you know, unfortunately, when you're starting out in this business, that's kind of who it ends up being that you work with. But at the same time, you know, being a recent college grad, I didn't have a whole lot of expenses. So I was able to, you know, kind of scratch and claw from the beginning, build my business uh, was was kind of slow. I mean, I guess I took the slow path and we talk about that a little bit. Some of the elite advisor network is speeding that path up. Um, And then in uh, 2018, moved over to a fully independent company. And a year later, I started working with another advisor who ended up selling me his practice uh, within that year. And from there, business has really taken off. And uh, I've gotten to a point where I I just needed to really improve on the the systems and the processes that I was using, you know, things that had worked for me when I was still relatively small to, to where I am now.
0: I think, that it, I think that every time someone talks about going independent, someone wants to go, tell, tell me why, tell me, tell me, tell me how, tell me why. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's because it, frankly, it's sometimes I think it's something that people are just, I mean, I've had phone calls from people where they're like, do not call me in my office. You know, you have to call my cell phone if I'm going to talk about this. Cause it's just, you know, I'm not, I know of advisors that, you know, when they move, uh You know, they literally will show up to work on Monday and like the office is cleaned out because they cleaned out over the weekend because like there's just this weird transition stuff. So t- tell me about what were your main motivations to go to independent and, and what's been the hardest part of that?
1: Yeah, you I did, think just at
0: Well,
1: there's a lot of I guess there's a lot of struggles that come with it. Um, but the reason I wanted to is is just really the ability to completely operate my own business, you know, the way that I think it should be run. Um, it, it allows for a certain amount of flexibility. You know, you don't have someone looking over your shoulder telling you, um, you know, make this many calls or do this. Right. Um, you know, you can really focus on working with the people you want to work with and, and creating, you know, the business that you want to run. Uh-huh. But the struggles go hand in hand with that, with sure. being somewhat isolated or or very isolated in some cases, you know, in the in the independent space. And that's one of the reasons, I guess, that I reached out to the lead advisor network or or got into that community. Right. I listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, you know, the kids, this podcast, the TPR guys and um, and that ended up driving me. To, to seek out more help yeah um, in the independent space if you're not one of the very top guys in your company you're not getting a lot of that extra support from your uh, from your brokerage firm from your yeah. firm so you've got to go find those opportunities yourself and that's uh that's the struggle i guess
0: yeah yeah i appreciate that yeah and, and i would submit as well this is just based on our conversation with different larger companies with thousands of advisors and also brokerage firms that, you know, have sought us out for advice is, I don't know. And I don't know the brokerage firms are really built to, I think they're built to support advisors to some degree in in one way, but like, if I need to have a conversation about the state of my marriage, I don't go to my banker, you know, I go to my pastor, I go to my, I'll call you, I'll call a friend. Right. Uh, Meaning that, that they have a role of support. But I just, I've just i never met a brokerage firm uh, or even a large company that's r- really that good at advisor support in a way that advisors, I think, frankly, really need to be supported, which is why we created EAN, right? Um, right. But t- tell me something you love at this point in your life that you love about being an advisor. And maybe you already touched on it, but what's something you're like, I love that I get to be, that I own a business and this is my business?
1: Yeah, I mean... Well, it comes with being the owner of the business, but the flexibility that this career can offer you, I mean, uh, it can certainly be a a good way to make a living, you know, if if you're doing the right things. But I think it's the flexibility of being able to take a Friday off or, I mean, even a week off, you know, if you have things in order, you can do that. And as long as you have things set up ahead of time, you know, you've, You've yeah. communicated well with your clients. Um, there's just a lot of freedom that it, it can allow you um, to do the other things that are that are really important to you.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had summer hours? We just took Fridays off for the whole summer. Have you ever thought about that?
1: I have thought about that. Or or has it, um, been, have, uno- or has
0: it been unofficial? You're like, oh,
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is um, that what that's called? Yeah. Close, close the office at three a lot of Fridays.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, that's better. I know a lot of people in Colorado and it's like, depending on the snow, it was like, uh, no, I can't work today. Why? Cause of the snow, the snow <laughs> is too good. You know what I mean? So I, I, just, I know some friends that own smaller companies and, and other advisors and such. And, and they were just like, listen, I know how productive slash unproductive we are on Fridays in the summer. And it makes our staff and it makes us, it, 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 they were able to condense and focus their work time in those four days that they never really felt it. And, but they definitely felt the positive impact of having three day weekends. For, I mean, it sounds crazy to people until you go, well, try it for a month and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some, it's something we're going to consider around here to in within Elite Advisor Network, not not Sten's side, but um, yeah, I mean, I you know we're, we're we're talking about doing that, so it's it's kind I, of exciting.
1: I've been doing a version of that. So with my wife's schedule, she has every other Friday off. So right. I will take every other Friday and I haven't done it every single time, but yeah. most every other Friday I'll, I'll take the day off just to spend with her or yeah. at a minimum, we go have breakfast that day and yeah, love it. for a little while in the morning. Yeah. This is great. yeah.
0: Well, I haven't heard a lot of people on their deathbed say, I wish I would have worked more Fridays. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll keep each other accountable to that. Um, so what's something that is still really hard? Do you think is this, you know what, that's just the reality of the business or something I haven't figured out yet? Yeah, what's still really hard about, you know, your advisor life?
1: I think it, it, it comes down to running the business um, yeah. and, and being isolated. You know, like I was saying, uh, you know, having, I now have employees. Um, so that's, that's new to me. So being able to manage, you know, manage other people and, and make sure I'm giving them the right direction. Yeah. That's uh, right now. That's one of the hardest things for me or, or mm. for my business. Yeah. I've gotten over when I was first starting out, it was, I didn't want to be viewed as a sales salesman. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess I've gotten over that and and I don't think of myself as a salesman. Right. Although I, I know that I have good ideas for people and and things that I can help them with. And right. if they want to work with me, great. If, if they don't, you know, there's a lot of other people out there that they do want my help right. and so right. i guess i've i've gotten past that mindset That's awesome. Mindset shift
0: tell, tell us a little bit because i think people will be interested in this who, who are your employees how long have you had them what are their roles?
1: yeah so my uh i've got a office administrator and i hired her about a year and a half ago and right. she sets uh she does all my scheduling for me she handles all my phone calls so everything coming in she's kind of the gatekeeper um, she keeps me on track as far as uh, my calendar goes. She makes my follow-up calls for me. And then, as far as processing paperwork, um a new business that I've got coming in, we've we've set up some systems, so I can just tell her what needs set up, and she's able to to get those accounts set up. and then if there's an account transfer, she'll follow up a week later. Um, so, that's uh That's been her role, and, she, and she's been doing a good job. And then just recently, I hired my sister-in-law, uh, actually, Taylor, to work remotely for me. She's starting to work as a paraplanner, so she's also studying to take her Series 7. But she's helping me with more of my meeting prep and working in my planning software um, at this point. Yeah,
0: love that. And that's something that you know for those who are listening, Sten and I, Sten and I literally met uh, as Wednesday we met on Monday about this, but we have a team development guide that we're going to create. It'll be free. but it's, 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 it's how to grow your team step by step. Like it always starts with you know who's, who works at your company? It's you. What do you do? Everything. <laughs> step two, get an admin. But what do they do? What do you still do? Step three? what do you add a paraplanner? What do they do? You know, and, and what are the job descriptions for each one of those? And then, you know, what happens next and how does that change job roles? And so um, just keep your ears out for that. Um, so it sounds to me like you're growing in the right order. Um, and so that's that's exciting to, exciting to hear. So let's talk about EAN, as we refer to Elite Advisor Network. Uh, that is our community of advisors and the name of our company. So if you go to eadvisornetwork.com, you can learn more about that. Uh, Sten started it because he had been getting enough requests for sort of speaking and, you know, tell us what you do. And and I, I think that he, I know that his heart is that he's not satisfied with great. Sten is doing well. And we've got a few people in our office. Like he really wants to help shape the industry. Uh, and I, and I know that, you know, even he gets lonely, like what other advisors want to be around other advisors of like-minded and like-spirited people. And so that's why we started it. So, but I want to ask you: How did you find out about EA? And what was it on the Kids' This podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. it was. So, yep. And
0: so, did you? And did you go through Planning to Succeed? I think yes. Okay, all right. And for those who don't know, Planning to Succeed, uh, it, and we we re- renamed it sort of a six-figure revenue stream, um, that, because that's what that's what it really is: um, how to add a six-figure revenue stream which is for those who aren't doing paid planning, how to add paid planning, and sort of what's the mindset behind that? What's the internal, external process of that? I mean, what's the client facing process? What's the internal process among you know, amongst your team? Um, and where that's it's, it's an A to Z program. Uh, and you can t- find out about that uh, at eadvisornetwork.com. But you went through that program, you're one of our first probably 50 people to go through that. We've had tremendous success with it. Um, so you heard about us on Kids This, you took that program early on. At what point were you like? Because listen, I I've bought a lot of online programs, you know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. And some of them it's like, that's good to know. But you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of meat on the bones, right? It was sort of like yeah. ideas, inspiration. But we like to ask the question, how is this going to change an advisor's behavior on Monday? I mean, when you go in the office on Monday, what's different than last Monday, right? So what changed after you went through the planning to succeed program that, that, that on a really practical nature, like what did you do differently and what are you doing differently than you did before you went through that program?
1: I'm getting paid for my advice, which which was a, a big step up and in other cases, getting paid more uh, for the advice that I'm giving. So I was I was doing planning beforehand. Uh, I didn't have great systems in place as far as okay. When I start a planning client, what does that whole uh, arrangement look like? So going through the, meaning,
0: the meaning meaning, what are the expectations from the client? Am I updating them monthly? Are we meeting every six months? All yeah, that so stuff was sort of muddled, right?
1: It's that having like a proposal that that I was provided through the program um, that I was able to, to change and make my own. Um, so everybody's got clear expectations, but then also my internal process of, you know, what does this look like? What am I doing every month for them? Or, you know, what am I doing at the beginning, you know, the agreement and then, you know, six months later and so on. Um, but the biggest thing would be just being able to realize the value that I'm providing clients and then charging, uh, you know, uh, an amount that is reasonable for that, for that value. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing, or one case that I came across just this week, I was telling you about it earlier, but um, some, I was meeting with a business owner client and some, some of the things I would have done for them in the past where I wouldn't have been paid for at all. um, And, and I've kind of muddled it over in my head, you know, should I even be taking on this kind of business? Um, And I, I just, told them that, you know, I can do this. You can do this elsewhere. That's great. Here's what I, here's what I would recommend. If you want to do it with me, here's what it would look like uh, in a business consulting agreement. And and now I'm getting paid for that same thing that I was before thinking, you know, I might not even take on this business because it can just create a hassle.
0: What, what are you doing for them?
1: For them, I'm, I'm evaluating retirement plan options for their starting business and then going to help get all of their employees set up on the plan and uh, and everything, I guess, organized with their accountant and uh, their book bookkeeper as well. To where, when we, well, a couple months from now, they'll have a retirement plan in place.
0: Right. So I've, I'm guessing that if you're listening to this, there's a couple different reactions. One is, dang it, I did that last month and I didn't get paid for it, <laughs> right? And my encouragement to you, if you're listening to us is, you know, Michael did it two months ago and he didn't get paid for it either, but now he is, Um, maybe I'm exaggerating, but the point is you just have to start at some point saying that's how much this costs, right? Uh, I live in a neighborhood, uh, about 200 houses, Michael, and they're all pretty close to each other. I have a pressure washer, I have some neighbors that I'm friends with, you know, we used to this sort of, and we still do it sometimes, especially for some older folks and widows and such like, well, hey, we want to pressure wash your driveway or whatever. But like one day we're like, hey, let's charge for this. And now my kids make bank. You know what I mean? My kids take me out to lunch after church on Sundays. You know what I mean? And the point is that one day you just start, you just decide you're gonna start charging for it, right? Um, and so um, so, so that's one reaction is maybe you're listening and you're like, gosh, I need to start charging for that. Um, and we do have a pricing guide, a pricing matrix to kind of decide how you want to price and, and how you can price and how you should. So for compliance, you can show that to them and you can customize it. I think another reaction, Michael, would be as well is like, how do you justify charging for that when you're also going to get potentially paid on the retirement on, you know, on the, on the AUM, right? So yeah. how, how do you, because I literally have had people yell at me, like set an appointment with me and be like, you, you are robbing, you are teaching people to rot and I'm like, okay. Cool. Guess you're not a fit for our program, <laughs> right? So, how how do you? How, what story did you have to change in your head that you can go, hey, you know what? I'm okay charging for this, and and as you've told me, you should probably be charging more. But, but tell me about what's what's the shift in the story in your head around? Yeah, I charge for that now.
1: Uh, there's two parts to that. Uh, I guess the the first part would be like, like I said, or like you, you mentioned, I have set these up in the past where, you know, I'll get this put in place. And I guess I go into the agreement or the arrangement thinking, you know, this is really so that I I can work with the business owner and keep developing these relationships, but then maybe they just want to put the plan in place and then they're not going to participate, but they just want something so that their employees can do, you know, $50 a month into, and it really just ends up being a lot of work, uh, a lot of work on my end. And then an ongoing, Thing where I'm meeting with them every year, um, yeah. and it can—it's really just not not a, a profitable way to run a business. Doing yeah. it that yeah. way, so that's yeah. that's one side of things. Um, because I know the time outlay that I'm going to put into it on the front end, and that that should cost something that has a value. Yeah. So. I guess I know that the value is there in getting this established. And then it doesn't matter what they decide to do later on the road. Yeah. You know, maybe we have good participation, maybe we don't, but I will then be compensated for the value that i provided them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's not reliant on, you know, a big sale or something coming down the road. So that's the first part. The second part is just being okay with, with knowing if they say no, that's fine. Like I, you know, I, am completely honest. That, you know, someone else might do this for you cheaper. Here's what I am going to recommend.
0: Right. Um, if,
1: if you want to work with me, here's what that agreement would look like. Yeah. And, you know, they're basically, were or they've, they've been very receptive to that and I'm okay with it. If they take that business elsewhere, that's okay. There's other people that want right. to work with me and want to pay me for that. And yeah. so that's, that's just a total mindset shift, I guess, on, Knowing that there's other business out there, and uh, I want to work with the people that that want to work with me.
0: Yeah, I think it also begs a question from just a mathematical standpoint: it, is your time ta- is your time valuable? As in, does it have a value on it? Because some would say, you know, how can you charge for advice when you're also going to get paid on the back end? You know, you're going to get the AUM. And I would say there's no guarantee of that, though. Like, there's no if you're setting up these plans for people or you create a plan for someone, you know, if it's an individual and they don't end up moving the money, then you, then your time had no value. Right. Uh, and I think we all know this, this is true. It's been said for you know a very long time that when people spend money on something, they value it more, right. They're more likely to take action on it. And so I think that for you, obviously it's a win as an advisor. If you're listening, you get paid for your time. Right. But also I think for the consumer, um, you know, it's, I think consumer behavior, I know the consumer, we all know consumer behavior changes when people pay for things. It's just true. It's just true. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, who do you think, uh, well, actually let me go back to this. Um, what was your deciding factor for joining, you know, EAN? I know you and I had had some conversations by zoom or phone about the community after you went through the program. Was it, that the planning to succeed stuff worked and you're like, Hey, that these guys are making me money. I want to just keep rolling. Right. Uh, was it the community aspect? I mean, what, what, what made you go, Hey, honey, I just added this expense to our monthly budget, you know, and, and uh, here's why you should not be mad at me. Right. That's
1: funny because I did have that conversation. I know, man, life. you're a good dude. <laughs> you smart, man. You don't want to find it out later. Right. So, Oh, yeah. by the way, I'm spent, you know, I'm paying for this now every month, but um, it really was. I, I saw success after going through the planning to succeed program. And I was at a point in my business where I just need more. I need other people to, to be able to lean on once in a while or to ask questions to. And, yeah. and I, I'm a strong believer or a firm believer in the, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I want to spend more time with successful advisors who, right. you know, seem to be doing the right things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, So what do you feel like you bring to the community? One of the things that I make really clear as I talk with everyone that, that is, you know, applies is that you have to bring um, wisdom uh, to, to the, to the community. Um, You know, your knowledge, you have to bring you, you can't just come and take, take, take. So you have to bring your knowledge and you have to bring your needs right We don't want anyone there that just knows everything and never asks questions. We also don't want people who they they just take right they don't they don't participate you know they're always asking for help on plan so they're never given it so what what do you feel like you bring to the community um that you feel like makes their community better
1: i You know how when after somebody gives a talk and they say, you know are there any questions and everybody's got a question but nobody wants to raise their hand yeah. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm that guy. I mean, I I'll have these problems and I guess I'm not afraid to bring them up to the group. Right. And oh, you're the guy
0: that raises his hand. You're saying get
1: exposed. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. raise okay. my hand and say, yeah. Hey, I'm doing this. Uh, what do you guys think? Or you yeah. know, what should I really be doing here? You know, there's a lot of successful advisors in there. So sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm the, I'm the one that has all the questions, but you know, maybe there's others that are thinking the same thing.
0: There are. <laughs> they, they, e- they email me afterwards and they're like, Hey, I want to ask that. They do. I'm not kidding. They do. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's called the gift of going first, right? And, and the gift of going first is seven other people have that question. 20 other people have a question, but who's going to ask that question. Who's going to be brave enough to say, Hey, I have a need. Um, and then I also see you helping other people. We have a private, um, you know, chat group that goes on throughout the week. In addition to our, our we have calls three times a month, but you know, if you had a question today about a plan, you could go into our private chat group and then say, hey, here's a plan, here's a situation, you know, what would you advise? Um, so I, I know you're helping there as well. You're not just asking questions, but it is interesting for those who are listening, you know, that one of the things that I think Michael does bring is he brings a willingness uh, to say, I, I'm, I don't know. Like, that's actually a gift. Because if, if we have these calls and it's like, who has questions? Nobody. Okay. Well, either that wasn't very helpful you're too shy, right? Or, you know, like, or it's like, okay, well, that was fun. Bye. You know, it's, it's good to have that community. So um, how do you get the most out of your involvement with EAN? I know not everybody comes to every call and everybody's in the chat group every day or, you know, um, not everybody can come to the live events, but, but how, how have you felt like you get the most out of it?
1: It's, it's really in participating. So like you said, you know, showing up for those, for the calls when you're able to, but, Participating in those, but going going past that, and if uh, if somebody has a question on something, like you were saying, you know, reaching out to them individually or asking yeah, their advisor who might be doing something really well, um, you know, if they'll if they'll visit with you more on it, and you know, I've had several of those conversations with people who are just you know they're doing one thing really well, whether it's you know doing surge meetings or right. uh, doing a tax uh, tax planning meeting, something like that, and. You know, they've been really generous um, just individually. It's yeah. it's like the side conversations that you have at, at conferences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, those yeah. are great.
0: Yeah. And there is an expectation because, again, we go through that needs and knowledge thing. I always go through that with people. Listen, you can't come here and just take and take and take. Um, you know, you need everyone to give. And I think we've got a really good environment of people doing that, but still respecting boundaries, you know, because it's like, you know, I'm not paying you, you know, or I'm, you're not paying me. So, but, right. you know, it's it's a good environment like that. So let me ask um two more questions. Who would you encourage to check out uh eadvisornetwork.com? Like who do you feel like you know you could you could probably use some help if if you're of this mindset, if you're at this place in business. Um you know, cuz I don't think it's everybody. Um you know, I, you know, we've had some people come in and leave pretty quick and and you know, they didn't like that you know, we, we, we ask them to participate not just take, or, you know, whatever. So, um, so who do you think would be a good, what, what, what makes person a, a good, a good member of EAN?
1: I think, I mean, you certainly need to be growth minded, um, but not growth minded only from a, a revenue standpoint. I mean, that's kind of where all advisors heads jump to, um, but, but people are advisors who, Know that there may be a better way of doing things and are open to considering making changes, you know, and, yeah. and figuring out that, you know, the way that they're doing things may not be the best way to do it, you know, and and then open to exploring other ideas yeah. and, and wanting to participate. Those are the advisors I think can be great for.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And it's interesting because, you know, we've had someone leave and stand to be like, how they left? And I go, yeah, honestly, I, you know, and I have exit interviews with everybody if they're willing to give them and most people are. We had someone leave once, Michael, and they're like, you know, and I I don't fault them for this, but they're just like, I don't really want to grow. Like, I just want to kind of stay where I'm at and maintain things. And I don't really want to disrupt my systems. And, you know, it it just, it was like the ultimate compliment, but they're like, you know, you guys just kind of made me uncomfortable at points. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, like, you know, but uh, I mean, that's like saying to your trainer, at the gym, you know, like you just keep pushing me so hard can you just like, let me lay here and like watch Netflix? I'm like, no, it's not my job, you know? Uh, and that's fine. If you want to sit there and watch Netflix or you want to, you know, stay where you're at in your business and, and that's fine. We're not for everybody, but um, so let me ask you this. It's this kind of a fun thing. And then we'll check in with you in five and 10 years to make sure these things have all come true. But, but what's, wh- where would you like to see your business? What would you like to see different about your business um, in, in five years and in 10 years? What, what would be fun for you to, to experience?
1: So I want to continue to grow my team, to, to grow and develop my team, I guess. Right. right now, I've got you know a couple of the pieces in place, and now it, it's coming down to getting them trained and developed so that they can really specialize in the area that they're responsible for. So in five years, I, I think that'll look like a junior advisor, a paraplanner, the office admin. Um, and that may be all we need, and it'll depend on, um, I guess, you know, a few other things in the business. And if I decide to to really grow from uh, from like a an asset standpoint or not, um, ten years from now, you know, I see my my kids will be a little older, of course. So being able to take more time off if I want, if I yeah. if I want to work remotely for a, a couple of weeks, you know, I yeah. definitely want to be want to be doing that and and be confident that, you know, everything's taken care of at the office. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, be maintaining the same, the same level of, um, you know, consistency for my clients and, and continuing to add value to them and maybe taking a little bit more time to, you know, research more things or, or further, further my education, further my development so that I can, you know, provide more value for the clients.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that vision. And I'll just tell everyone, if you're listening, that does not, we do not naturally carve out more time um, to just not work. Like it, it's um, we're, we're, it's more that we naturally expand our work and it kind of overlaps life. So today I'm leaving at um, probably two 15, because I've got to coach my son's baseball practice for his middle school. Uh, cause our head coach got ejected and you can't be there. Uh, but, but like I, I planned for that, right. I plan in this season of life, you know, and that's, you know, I love talking to you. You're going to be the highlight of my work day, but the highlight of my day is going to be able to hang out with a bunch of middle school boys and coach baseball, you know, and that happens with intention. And that's something else that, um, you know, we've got members of our EAN community and uh, like this one guy, every time that that I would meet with him, he had this like amazing like background. I'm like, is that fake? He's like, no, no, we're in so-and-so. And I'm trying to remember where, where he went. I don't know if he went to Belize, Brazil or something. But he's like, when COVID hit, we just like left and we just haven't come back yet. And he didn't have a huge practice, but like he had like two little kids. He's like, yeah, we just left and we're like staying on this island and we just been here. So we'll come back. You know, he eventually came back to, you know, stateside. But that's exciting. And that that happens with intention. And so, um, you know, I'm going to believe that's going to happen for you. And um, I want to thank you for your time and for your participation in EAN. Um, you know, one thing you did mention is about helping your staff improve. Um, and just based on the time of year that someone listens to this, we are having a, a live teaching on May 3rd and 4th. Um, and you can just go to StenMorgan.com levelup level up, StenMorgan.com slash level up. Uh, and that'll point you to our level up community, which we're starting uh, for that support staff for that other part of the business. Most advisors did not get in the business because they really wanted to manage people. <laughs> and so they're not always great at that. Um, and so we, we're, we're starting a community that will help um, support your support staff. Uh, and so I know that um, that'll be a benefit for those who are looking for that help. Uh, well, thanks for your time. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for your participation in uh, the network. You make it You make it better and thanks for sharing your story and congratulations again on moving to the fun side of Montana. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Andy. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed hearing about Michael's journey and that it inspired you to continue to invest in your personal and business development. If you'd like to be part of our Elite Advisor Network like Michael, then you can visit StenMorgan.com E-A-N. That's StenMorgan.com E-A-N to apply. And Michael mentioned his experience in subsequent success after going through our program, the six-figure revenue stream, implementing financial planning to grow your business. If you'd like to start charging money for your advice or improve your existing systems, visit eadvisornetwork.com store. That's eadvisornetwork.com store to learn more about that program. As always, thank you for listening. We appreciate you.